Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself, because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey there, food bloggers. Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made just for you, food bloggers who are wanting to add value to their businesses and to their lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Melissa Erdelak from mamagourmand.com, and we will be discussing raising a blog and a family. Melissa's food blog, Mama Gourmand, specializes in delicious, easy-to-make, family-friendly recipes. She is a Midwestern wife and mother of four who obsesses about food, loves to prepare gourmet-quality recipes, but is always short on time and energy. Her recipes taste time-consuming but use simple ingredients and directions. From decadent desserts to classic comfort foods, find a recipe for everyone, many with gluten-free alternatives. Okay, Melissa, that was just a tiny little bit about yourself, so take just a couple of minutes it's here to add something extra about you, your business, or just give us a fun fact. Um, well, I guess I have to give a shout out to my sister, Julie, because she was the one that um, kind of was pushing me to do the food blog in the first place. Um, I always had an interest in photography and writing. And of course, we come from a family of avid cooks. So she kept saying, you should start a food blog. And then you could be on the Today Show and I'll fly to New York with you to promote your cookbooks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so that's her goal. I'm not exactly sure if that's going to happen or not. But if it does, she's definitely taking the flight with me. I love that. I love it when people see what your talents are and kind of push you toward that. So that's cool. That will happen for you. I believe it, Melissa. <laughs> oh, we'll see. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing that. Now, if you don't mind, we can dive into our topic, which I'm super excited about. So raising a blog along with raising a family is a topic that is very near and dear to me because it is something that I've had to figure out just like you have. And I know that you and I, Melissa, are not the only ones who have had to do this. So I just know that our chat today is going to be well received because there are so many food bloggers listening who are trying to run a successful blog while keeping up with kid and family and household duties all at the same time. And honestly, as you know, it is no joke. It is not easy to do it all. We were just talking before this interview started and summers especially are hard with kids, but it is Mm -hmm. possible. And thankfully, we have masters of the trade like Melissa to impart wisdom and tricks that will help (laughs) us out. So, Melissa, I think a good place to start is stressing the importance of knowing that not every blog or blogger grows at the same rate and how important it is to be comfortable with that knowledge. Can you talk to us more about that? Yeah, I mean, especially with blogging, it's hard not to look at all the other blogs and think, oh my gosh, they're doing it better than me. They have it all going on. But I mean, in reality, it's just perceptions. We don't all know what's happening behind the scenes. And I think a lot of us get into this field because we want to work from home. So that's great. We're working from home, but then we're also working from home. Um, I still have a little guy at home with me. So I kind of have to, you know, work around him needing me and wanting things and then me having to, you know, work during the day too. 
One of the reasons that I wanted to work from home so badly was we have a son who is on the spectrum and he also has a lot Mm -hmm. of very intense medical needs. Not so much now, but when he was younger, he did. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to be home so that I could take him to appointments and just kind of give him that extra love that he needed. But then, like you said, it's kind of like a catch-22 because, yeah, now I'm here, but now I have work to do. So it's like such a hard balance and it is not an easy thing to juggle. Yeah. And I think any working mom has that, you know, mom guilt. And it's it's a little I don't I, you know, like I said, I work from home. So I think it's sometimes I'm jealous of my husband because he goes to work and it's, you know, like he's at work, he's working, then he comes home where I feel like with food blogging, it's constantly intertwined. I mean, you're always kind of just doing things when you can. And I feel guilty working on my computer when my son's there, but you have to set boundaries. Um, So one thing that I do is I kind of just have my, I set a work week for myself. And that just means I have blocks of time every day. So first thing in the morning, um, you know, get the kids off to school. Then I work out because if I don't do it first thing, then it won't happen. And when I come home from, you know, working out from um, probably around 10 to 12 ish is like a two hour block where I work and my little guy knows that I'm working then. So, you know, that's his time. He could watch a movie or we talk about before what he's going to play. And then we have lunch together. And then Fortunately, he was off to preschool. So then I have another couple hours when he was off to preschool. But during those set times that I work every day, I don't schedule anything. So if appointments come up, they're not scheduled during that time. Um, You know, I don't use that time to do laundry or anything else that's staring at me in the house. I do my best to just use those times to work. That is super smart. And I kind of work the same way. Like you just have to find those blocks, like you said, and totally protect them. So if that means like a friend asks me to meet for coffee during that time, I have to say no. I, I used to say yes. I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I have got to protect my time more. So yeah. I love that you do that too. And you kind of see when you can squeeze things in and you take advantage of it. And I think it's really important. My husband works in a traditional office setting as well. And I too am like, oh, yeah. he gets to <laughs> go to work and just work. Like sometimes I just want to have my own office to just go to and blog and, you know, do all the photo editing and everything else involved. So I, I feel that too. You are definitely not alone with that. Yeah. And then also, and not even like that the kids are the distraction. It's being in your house is a distraction. Laundry, dishes, like all of that. There's always things. And then you're sitting in front of a computer all day. So you're like... Oh, maybe I'll just order this thing on Amazon. <laughs> or I mean, you really have to practice just staying focused. So um, another thing that I do that I find that helps is because even if I'm, you know, working at my computer and I have my set time, it's hard not to, you know, check emails when they pop up and respond to text messages. And so I will a lot of times I'll set a timer on my phone for like 30 minutes. And for 30 minutes, I cannot do anything but the tasks that I'm working. And then after the 30 minutes goes up, I'll get up and I'll stretch and I'll check those things. 
But I find that I get so much more done if I'm just don't allow myself to do anything else, even if it's 15 minutes. I mean, it's amazing how easily it is to get sidetracked. It totally is. I took notifications off of Facebook from my phone. And that helped me a lot because for some reason for a while, I was just like, oh, there's a notification on Facebook. I better check it. Like, this is ridiculous. So just little things like that. And I think it's different for everybody. But I like the 30 minute timer. That's a great tip. Yeah. And then um, also, I kind of just during the week, I um, I know that you know, my the beginning of my week is writing and publishing posts. So I kind of do that on Monday and Wednesday, kind of just have a rough schedule for yourself. So you wake up knowing what you're going to be working on that day. Um, you know, like Thursday, I'll do my newsletter and I'll just do ads and ends. And then usually Friday, I'll um, either shoot or do a video. And then obviously that kind of always falls into the weekend too. It's just easier for me to shoot on the weekends um, than it is during the week. I wonder how many bloggers do that because I just very recently started doing batching as well. Monday is filming day for me. And then Tuesday is typically like I do just a ton of writing and Wednesday photo editing. I wonder if other people do that too. I suppose it's different for everybody, but I would be curious to know that batching has worked really well for me. It's actually opened up like tons of time. I feel like I can get so much more done. Like you said, when you know what you're doing the next day, I kind of mentally prepare and then I'm just more productive Mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something to that. And then this next point, we kind of touched on it. Uh, It's something that I could talk about probably for hours because I've given it just so much thought recently. How do you, Melissa, make sure that you portray blogging as a job for your family? I know you said that you kind of prepare your son and you tell him, you know, this is your time to watch movies or show or whatever. But what else do you do to establish that food blogging is not a hobby? It's your job. Um, I mean, first of all, I just use the language. I mean, with my kids, I'll say, okay, we're going to do this. And then I have to go work. I'm going to go up to my room and I'm, I need to do, I refer to it as my work. So they know I'm just not (laughs) on the computer (laughs) um, again. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, that unfortunately that sometimes (laughs) sneaks in, but um, yes, just using that language. I mean, with my youngest son, that's five, I kind of give him like a, a play-by-play of the day. I'll say, you know, first we're going to go, um, we go to the Y together. I said, first we're going to go to the Y and then I'm going to come home and then mommy needs, I'm going to do my work and then we'll eat lunch and then I'll take, you know, just give him a play-by-play so it's not, he knows what is happening during the day. Um and then also, I, it, my husband helps a lot with it, too, because, I mean, sometimes things don't get done during the day. And after dinner, I have to go up to my room and I, you know, need to knock some more things out. And I just feel like when you're sitting down, <laughs> like kids are so not used for moms to be sitting down. So like when I'm sitting down in the evening and working, it's just like, I'm like stationary prey for my kids. Like they just, you know, like come and sit next to me and what are you doing? And why are you doing that? You know, just, which is cute, but also you can't get a lot done when you're doing that. So um, my husband will often, he'll hear the kids like coming, trying to come into the room and he will stop them and say, what do you need? You know, 
mommy's working, what basically puts me off limits. I mean, he does a good job of stepping in and making sure, you know, that he's giving them attention. So I don't really have to. So, I mean, use, use what you have, Absolutely. What resources you have. If it's movies, if it's your husband, I use my older kids a lot too. I will tell them I need to get this certain thing done. I have a deadline. How are you going to, you know, help me with the, with the two younger ones and they'll step in as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, every family situation is different. Obviously there are food bloggers who don't have husbands. There are food bloggers who have significant others, also ones that have lots of kids or no kids. So every situation is different, but I love your recommendation to just use what you have. (laughs) Use the people around you. Use your older kids. I use my boys. Sometimes I'll involve them in photo shoots and like, oh, you're going to be a hand model. And they're like, oh, cool. So I use that or I'll like use them to go get props or whatever. And I love that your husband is so supportive and protects your time as well for you. That's awesome. And my husband is the same. He's so great about recognizing this as a legitimate job and something that I need to put time and energy into and protect as well. So I think we're very lucky that we have that. And I was thinking this morning when I was getting ready for our chat, do you have any recommendations for people who maybe aren't as lucky, like maybe a single mother or maybe somebody who is in a marriage or a relationship that isn't supportive? What in that case would you recommend? Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure what's available in everyone's community, but for like for me, my why has drop off daycare and it's extremely cheap. Um, you know, a few dollars an hour. I know they also have um, mother's day out where I think certain churches and schools hold that where you could drop off if you have younger kids that are before preschool age and you could have a couple hours for free. Um, my friend suggests she's suggested to me before, which I don't think is a bad idea, but taking your kids like to fun flatables or like oh, a, that's a great idea or some, something where they can be entertained and you could still get work done. Even if it's something like photo editing, you know, something that doesn't require extreme concentration, but you can edit photos, you could edit videos, you can transcribe your recipes, things like that. I also would you know, look to other friends, do some sort of childcare exchange. You know, if I could drop my kid off for a couple hours, then next week, you know, your child could come here, um, use other friends to have organized play dates. So you can knock it out if there's a university in town. I know a lot of my friends use the college students too for um, just, you know, that's especially great for running kids around to practices and activities and whatnot. Those are really great recommendations. I love what you said about just going somewhere like an inflatables place or like a an indoor playground, even an outdoor playground in the summer and just bringing along your work because that is one of the good things about food blogging is that a lot of it you can do anywhere. Something I do is I prepare my week kind of... Okay, for example, if I know that my boys are going to be home all day Monday, then I put on my calendar that I'm doing photo editing. Like you said, the mindless work that we can do that doesn't take a ton of concentration. And then if I know that I have a full day Tuesday by myself, then I will do writing and work that takes more concentration. So just depending on everyone's situation... 
you can plan around it. And like you said, there are options for cheap daycare or friend sharing daycare and things like that. So I love those recommendations. And uh, one more thing that I just thought of that I'd like to add is that um, my mom and also I had friends that would help with drop off and pick up of preschool. (laughs) Because even though it's it was, you know, three minutes away, just like falling in and out of that routine Mm -hmm. of working of, okay, we need to get in the car. Okay, then you're coming home and you need to, now you need to get a cup of coffee and, you know, just to start into that, that work zone again, I found it really helpful. Um, One day a week, my mom would take my son and drop him off at preschool. He would be gone, then pick him up from preschool. I mean, it would gain me at least another hour of work. Which is super valuable. (laughs) Yeah, when you don't have a lot of hours to squeeze in the day. So, and I would have friends that would drop him off too, instead of me going, stopping what I was doing and going to school to pick him up. We are in a kind of a similar situation. My son's school is literally two blocks away. But most days when I bring him to school, I just don't start work because I know, like you said, you I have to stop and then start again, even though it's literally a five minute drive. So on mornings when I know I have a big project to do or I know I'm going to be busy, I enlist my husband. I'm like, can you please go to work a little bit late and just drop Sammy off? And if it works for him, he does it. It's great. And then I can get an extra hour of work in. Just those few minutes are so valuable. Taking a step back and thinking through everything about your schedule. My husband and I sit down every Sunday and we just look at our calendar and we kind of like a puzzle. Like we just rearrange everything to maximize both of our times and just make the most of everything. So I think that's really important. Every situation is unique. Every family is unique. Every food blogger is unique. So it is important just to look at your situation and do your best. That is all really great stuff. I love it. I saw in your chat notes about enlisting your older kids to help out with blog tasks. What do you have them do for you? Well, I I'm, I feel like you're really great at this, <laughs> Megan, because sometimes it's just going through that that training period of you know teaching your older kids. But I do. I mean, they're photo props all the time for me. I feel like I can get so much better pictures if yes. the other hands are holding things. So I use them a lot for that. Um, I use, especially during the summertime, um, last year, I used my older daughter a lot to um, do Facebook share groups, just those like mindless tasks or the the thread drops where, you know, you're dropping Pinterest uh, threads in, you have to pin 10 more, um, just things that take a lot of time, but are kind of mindless. I mean, I would, I would have her do those a lot. Uh, Tailwind tribes, she can, you know, my older kids can do as well. I would like, I know you do this, um, and it's just setting aside the time to teach her, but the video editing, because she's, she's, it's a hobby of hers, but just teaching her, I use Adobe Premiere, which is kind of really clunky to learn and not really user friendly, but um, you know, just taking the time to have her do that as well. Yeah, I s- 
I think you probably saw on Instagram, I started teaching my son how to use, I use Final Cut Pro for video. So I started teaching him, not because I was really trying to be more efficient, but one day he was like, oh, that looks fun. Show me how to do it. And he just had an interest in it. So I was like, absolutely slide on in. I'm going to show you how to do this. So he literally edited a few videos for me and he loved it. I was super excited because I hate editing videos. But then now I have somebody who films and edits, so I don't necessarily need that anymore. But he's interested and he now he wants to learn how to edit photos. So I'm trying to train his eye and just show him like when something looks good, when it's in focus. So I'm hoping over time that I can create a little entrepreneur who yes, will be my little food. Exactly. Yeah. And he has an interest. So I think if kids do show interest in that, my son is super creative and he's like me. He just always has to be creating something. So I saw that very early. So obviously that's, and it's not like I'm, you know, encouraging child labor or anything. No, just I mean, they, if there's an like interest, it, enjoy it. yeah, he loves it. And I would never do that if he didn't like it. But my other son has no interest and that's totally yeah, fine. It's some, I mean, I pay, I have a, um, a VA. So, I mean, I pay her to do those things. So even sometimes last year I would, I would give, her money and it's definitely at a reduced rate as a VA, but you know, it just, it was kind yeah. of a side job for her. Um, now so, like I was working on a video this morning before we, uh, spoke and I was just thinking I could at least have her do all the cutting of the video. You know, maybe if, even if I just go in and kind of put it all together and, um, do the titles and all that, but she could, there's so much cut work that has to be initially done. And I could probably, you know, that's something I should probably have her start doing at least just start somewhere. Right. Just starting with those little tasks that you know are safe. She's not going to ruin anything and just Mm -hmm. going from there. Mm -hmm. I love that. So how much, I'm curious about your VA, how many VAs do you have and what do you have them do and how did you decide what to first to give them? When I started the blog, I definitely started it with the mindset of monetizing it. Um, it was going to be a job for me. But I was also in a good position where when we started, all the extra money was just extra money. So I turned around and invested it right away into a lot of things for the blog. And one of the things I did right away was hire a VA because I hate scheduling. I hate taking the time to do my Facebook scheduling, to do my Pinterest scheduling, all of that. So I initially had a VA to do my Facebook scheduling. So um, she schedules about, I think, six to eight, maybe Facebook posts a day and finds all those viral videos and schedules other people's um, recipes and myself. And then I hired a Pinterest VA just because I didn't really have the time or energy to stay on top of what you're supposed to be doing with Pinterest anymore. So for her, I just sent her all my pins and she takes care of it. She schedules it in tailwind and shares it with her other clients and whatnot. So right now I have two VAs. Um, and I'll have to say that this, my Facebook VA, I'm on my third 
one, not because I'm like <laughs> Devil Wars Prada boss, but just <laughs> because they weren't really working out. And so, I mean, you kind of have to go through and find that VA that you mesh with and gel with because it is you're putting your business in their hands. Absolutely. And Facebook is so hard. I've been through a couple as well, including myself. And I tried Facebook for a while just on my own. And I had to fire myself. I was horrible at it. You do have to just find those tasks that you aren't either aren't good at or just literally don't want to do and then find someone else who is better. Yes. And, I th- and especially now, there seems to be so many changes with Facebook, which I'm not really sure what's happening. But I, I almost feel like I need to maybe broaden my search again for someone that is really on top of all those algorithm changes and whatnot, because I mean, I I don't know what's what's going on with Facebook, but I definitely need someone smarter than me to handle. It's very frustrating. And I looked back over the amount of money I had spent on Facebook ads over the past few years. And I wish I wouldn't have because it was ridiculous how much I have spent and I have gotten like nowhere. I mean, I shouldn't say nowhere, but I should have, I feel like as long as I've been doing this, I should have way more Facebook likes. So I finally just like stopped. I pulled the plug on Facebook ads. I feel like I need to know what I'm doing first. And that is a whole other topic. Facebook is tricky and finding someone who really gets it is a challenge for sure. Pinterest too. I know people struggle with the changes that Pinterest has made and social media is kind of all over the place right now and making changes, algorithms, and it's hard to figure out. It's not an easy beast. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I mean, I, the other thing that um, for the, for the VAs and sometimes people have a hard time giving up their tasks because you know, there's a thought process of everything when you're doing it. And and how do you train someone to do your thought process? So um, something I do, I think it's called Screencast-O-Matic. They have different ones, though, too. And it will record your computer screen and your voice. So I will record myself doing something that I want my VA to do. And then I send it to them and it kind of walks them through my system and I will talk out, speak out loud of why I chose to schedule this one and not this one and whatever. I've used this for anything that I want my VA to do. So then they have it that they could go back and look at it and refresh their memory um, on my processes. Wow. I've never heard of that. I'll check that out. Yeah, I, th- I think there's other ones too, but the one I use is called Screencast-O-Matic to record. It records your screen and your voice. And then the other thing is um, not being scared to speak up when things aren't going well with your VA. Just you know, in a whatever, do the do the compliment sandwich, <laughs> telling them of something that they're doing great, then throwing in the hey, I just noticed. Can you? do this. I mean, case in point, I remember one of my VAs kept scheduling. I mean, it was like the middle of summer and I don't, there was like Christmas recipes or something, you know, something like that where you have to step in and say, you know, can you schedule things that are more season appropriate or, or whatever that's coming up, you have to speak up. I mean, cause they, they're not mind readers. And a lot of these people have, you're not their only client either. So, you know, you have to 
tell them what's going to work for you. And most VAs, at least in my experience, are willing to hear that. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a web designer too, which I think they kind of just, if I just have little things that come up that I know is going to just be a time suck for me, like I need a quick blog graphic or I need to add this menu to my blog. I just send her an email and she will take care of it for me. It's it's so much worth my time and money to just pay someone to do that, to spend and to take an entire day figuring that out where I could be writing a blog post or shooting a recipe or something else. So yeah. And, and then the other um, thing that I did, and like I said, I, I was able to invest a lot of my money back into the business from the beginning. But a lot of the things that I have that save time is is my equipment. Um, I upgraded my camera, I think last year, which was huge on saving so much time for photo editing. I mean, obviously I, I used an older camera for a while and you can get good pictures from them, but it's a lot more work and coaxing out the good picture. So I found that a better camera with, um, I have a zoom lens now, so I'm not stopping to switch out my different fixed lenses all the time. I could just stand in one place and zoom in and out, which helps a lot for video as well. Um, I'm not having to move the tripod anymore. I could just zoom in in and out on my lens. And I also, for photo shoots, I always tether my camera to my laptop because it's just so much easier to see, okay, I got the shot, I have the composition, I have the focus, move on, do the next picture instead of taking a hundred pictures and then getting them onto your computer and realizing that 99.9 of them weren't actually in focus. So I find that tethering camera helps a lot with my photo shoots. I love that you use equipment to save time. When I was reading through your notes, I was like, oh, I love that because it is true the better equipment you're using and not to say like you need to go spend tons of money, but the better it is, the more efficient it's going Mm -hmm. to be for you. And really in the end, it does save you time. And your sanity. (laughs) And sanity. Oh my gosh. It just made me such a happier person. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When I was shooting, I wasn't so angry about things (laughs) not turning out. I mean, it's... I love it. It was worth every penny. I love that. Super, super valuable. So I'm curious if you have strategies with getting sponsored work done, because to be honest with you, Melissa, one of the reasons I rarely do sponsored posts is that they take so much extra time. So do you have any tips for that? Uh, yeah, they, they do. Cause especially I work with the companies that influence their websites a lot. I don't really go after the companies. I know you could do that, but it just takes so much extra time to kind of finesse them on social media and whatnot. So for me, I just do the companies such as, um, clever and massive sway and activate. And I get emails pretty much every day of campaigns and I apply the ones that will first work with my brand and then second that works in my time frame. So, you know, if the time frame doesn't work out, I don't even apply for it. And yes, they do have a ton of deliverables that need to be, some of them have to be signed off on before the campaign goes live. I found that the different companies work differently with how much oversight they give you. Some, you know, you have to give them your whole blog post and photos and even social media posts before um, the campaign goes live and then do edits. Some are more just 
here's the published date, take care of it. Either way, I do find that it's worth the time for the money that they give you. I mean, it's a great extra source of income for me. And although it's a pain on the front end to go through all those deliverables and get everything done first, when it's time to hit publish time, it's just hitting publish. You don't have to, you know, do all the follow-up promotion and whatnot because it's all done for you. Do you find that it's hard to find jobs through those uh, sites that you mentioned? Through those places, do you find that it's hard to find campaigns that align with your brand? No, I... I mean, there's not, I would say I probably do one a month. I mean, for every one I do, I probably get a hundred that don't align with my brand. But sometimes, I mean, there's just a product that I use or something that I have instantaneously have a great recipe idea for. I mean, you're not going to get everything that you get, you're not going to be able to use, but it's kind of just given to you on a silver platter (laughs) where you, you know, you just apply for it. And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. You don't have to work for it as hard. And you do a lot of the work up front. So like you said, you just, when it comes time to publish, you literally are just clicking publish. Yes. And even all my social media um, are already written. Uh, everything's written. So you're just publishing. Now, the the ones that I use are Clever, Tap Fluence is another one. Isaiah, Activate, and Massive Sway are the ones that I use the most. And I will say the more campaigns you do for them, it seems like the better products they send you and you are picked up for more. So it's kind of like a rolling snowball and your money will increase as well. You know, as I do more and more campaigns, I get offered incrementally more money. And and I've just started doing this recently, but it's not that some of them, you can ask for more money. Um, Some of them have offered me one amount and I've gone back to them and said, well, I could do it, but I'll do it for this amount. And sometimes it's been three or four times the initial amount that they offered me. And sometimes they say, sorry, this is our set budget. But sometimes they say, sure, that works. That's amazing. Surprised, you know, so a lot of them do have flexibility with what they can offer you. Don't be afraid to ask. So it is worth looking into. I mean, it's kind of a fear of mine. I had a lot of bad experiences with sponsored work early on, I would say in maybe year three or four of my blog. And I just haven't gone back. But it, it's from what you're saying, it sounds like it is worth at least looking at. And I love that you felt confident enough to ask for more money and that you got it three to four times more than what they were initially asking is amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes they say, no, we can't. But sometimes if you don't ask, you don't know. And I didn't love the sponsored work at first either. I just felt like sometimes it could be a little forced, but what I found by doing more and more of it is to not overthink it. It doesn't have to be a whole blog post about how great this company is. And the companies are fine with that. They want it to seem organic. So what I do when I'm setting up the sponsor post is I just write my post as I would normally do. I do my, you know, answer my questions. I put my little subnosis of the recipe. And then it's usually only a paragraph or two where I will relate it all to whatever the company is about how they fit in. And then there's, of course, the images, you know, there's the product placement. But 
it's not a whole blog post about how great this company is. I mean, don't overthink it. They just want their name out there and for them to tie something in your recipe to their name. I think that's changed in recent years. Do you agree? Because when I go back to some of my older posts that were sponsored, mm-hmm. I read through them and I'm like, oh my gosh, nothing in there was mine. I mean, uh-huh. I wrote it, but it was like all just saying wonderful things about the product that I didn't even yes. use. And uh-huh. I feel like such a fraud. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why I just typically do not look in that direction. All right, Melissa, I think we're going to wrap up. I have learned so much from you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was so great to chat with you. So to kind of sum things up, food bloggers need to make it clear that the work they're doing is a job to the people around them, their family and their friends. We also have to be continually learning and growing. And really, the rest of the equation involves just utilizing our time and our resources in the most effective way possible. Is there anything else you want to add, Melissa? Any little last bits, tips, tricks? Um, I mean, I just want to stress that no one has it going on as they might appear to have it going on. I mean, even when you might even be listening to this podcast and think, oh my gosh, she, you know, she has all these things set in place. It's always going to be a struggle and you just have to do the best you can and work with what you can work with. I mean, the goal every day is to just do something, get a little bit better, um, do something to improve your blog. I mean, just make baby steps. It's not like we're doing all these grandiose things every day. Just keep moving forward and remember that it's a struggle for everyone. Everyone has trouble focusing and has uh, roadblocks in getting work done and just do the best that you can. None of us do it perfectly, but yes, I love your motto, just keep going. That is one thing that I tell people all the time because I see it everywhere. People are like, they feel like they're stuck and that they're not moving anywhere and they've been in the game for a couple years, but just keep going, make things better little by little and things will gain momentum. Yes. So I know my listeners are going to find value in everything that we talked about today and all of your amazing information. We can put an amazing quote on your show notes page, which will be on eatblogtalk.com forward slash Melissa E. I'm not going to make everyone spell out your last name. Any resources that you have for Eat Blog Talk listeners, we can put on there too. So anything that will help them that aligns with this topic or even just food blogging in general. So we will have those there for you. Melissa, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. My blog is mamagarmand.com. You can find me on Instagram at Mama Gourmand and Pinterest and Facebook. It's all at Mama Gourmand. Awesome. Melissa, I just love you so much. And thanks for listening today, food bloggers. And we will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk. Thank you.